city to city, state to state, worldwide. You are listening to the In the Zone Network. This is it. Hi, y'all. This is Sharon Brown. I'm one of the Memphis Grizzly beat writers for the Memphis Flyer and writer for Diet Magazine. And you're listening to the Project on the In the Zone Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Price Check Podcast. I am your host, Josh Price, here on the In the Zone Network, where we do this thing city to city, state to state, worldwide. You are listening to In the Zone. Back for the first time in a while. Allinson, you looking good, sir? Thank you. Uh, I'm more bigger than anything now. Well, for for those of y'all who may have missed it on social media, Arlington went on an eating spree in Houston and um, he he survived. I don't know if he's feeling well, but he survived. <laughs> like I think I'm feeling everything now that I came back, man. Like everything felt like it was about to come up, especially when I left Houston. And I'm like, <clears throat> everything coming back. Yeah. Shout out to the city of Houston and and their food establishments. Arlington had fun. In case y'all didn't know, I did, man. I really uh, did. But no, so so today, man. Of course, in bringing up Houston, obviously they are in the Western Conference here in the NBA. That's where we're going to spend our time today, deep diving what has been um, a really roller coaster season in the NBA, and specifically within the Western Conference, where you got what like three of the top five or six teams that are dealing with either dealing now with significant injuries or have dealt with significant injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, as can be expected in, you know, what's been a shortened and kind of compressed season. But um we really gonna kinda kinda break this thing up into about three different groups. You got your teams one through six that are kinda like your real contenders. Um you got your team seven through ten that's in that play in range. And then you got everybody below that that's just going ahead and, you know, playing early for what they're gonna do next year. Just go ahead and get ready for the draft. Basically. You know, look ahead. You know, this is it's no longer about this year. We only got about, you know, 25% of the season left. We write it, you know, for most teams, that 54 to 56 game mark of 72. Um, so, Western Conference is really where we're going to spend our time because, to me, the Eastern Conference is a three-horse race. I agree with that. If you want to get technical, two and a half. <laughs> I got I to know who the half team is. It's the Bucks. <laughs> it's the Bucks. We, look. As was the Dave Chappelle said, we've seen his movies before. Like it, you know, <laughs> we've seen the Bucks movies here the last yes. couple years, right? So um, a lot of Atlanta vibes today. Oh yeah, shout out to Coach Bud, man. Shout out to Coach yeah. Bud bringing that Atlanta vibe to Milwaukee. Um, it's but never good. I think Philly and Brooklyn are in a tier of their own, and then kind of right below them is Milwaukee, just because you kind of have to put them in the mix when you have a player like Giannis and how they've looked at least when they've had everybody healthy. Um, but Brooklyn and Philly, and it, it's crazy. We got to see them play early in the week, granted, without KD and, and James Harden. But um, I think the potential of that seven-game series is one that I'm really, really excited for if we can get it in the Eastern Conference Finals. Because mm. I think both both teams kind of present matchup problems for the other, right? So you got Philly. Joel Embiid, it, like, I understand everybody, you know, beginning of the season, they wanted to give Luka the MVP you know season first started we were talking about LeBron and that that narrative up until he got hurt um now lately the last couple weeks it's like it's Nikola Jokic's MVP award to lose time out punter breaks we let's not what well, Lee Corso voice not so fast my friend <laughs> absolutely Joel Embiid I know he's missed a lot of time but when he's been healthy he's been the best player in the league this year just from what I don't watch that's me taking all bias out all fandom out 
Joel Embiid been the best player start to finish so far when he's been on the court. If Philly finishes first in the East and the Nuggets finish fifth or sixth in the West, how are you telling me that Nikola Jokic is more valuable than Joel Embiid is? If you take Nikola Jokic out, they don't make the playoffs. I, I hear that argument. I hear it. I hear it. But we, we did the same thing with Russell Westbrook a couple years ago, right? Russell Correct. Russell Westbrook averaged a triple-double. He had the – kind of backtracking a little bit. MVP is about three things. Mm-hmm. Numbers, narrative, standings. You got to have all three on your side. If you only got two of the three or one of the three, heads You shouldn't there. win. You should not win. We've seen people win. Russell Westbrook a couple years ago being one of these examples, he had the numbers. Obviously, he was averaging a triple-double. We hadn't seen that since Oscar Robinson. Uh, he had the narrative. KD was gone. You know, Russell Westbrook chose to stay with the Thunder. He didn't leave like James Harden or get traded away like James Harden and leave like Kevin Durant. You know, he's the guy that we want to build around. When the average of triple-double, they won 45 games and got bounced out in the first round. Nobody cared. He Russell Westbrook, when the average of triple-double two more seasons after that, nobody cared. Nobody talked about it. Nobody wrote about it. Nothing. And he's averaging one now, I think. Isn't, isn't and he right? right, but that was MVP caliber, and I guess that was what 2017, 2018? Now nobody thinks nothing of it. Jokic, again, I get it. He's been great. He, the Nuggets definitely need him, but I think there is a certain level you should be able to take your team, even by yourself, if you really are the MVP of the league. Maybe that's the wrong way to look at it, but that's. That's just my thought. I'm and who's the last European to win the most valuable player? Have if ever. Dirk? Dirk. And what was that? 2007? So like 14, 15 years yeah. ago? Yeah. Do we do we consider Giannis a European? Because uh, he's Greek. I guess. I mm. I, look, I consider Giannis a brother. Like I, he one of us. <laughs> only only thing that don't don't you know keep him on the on the black side is that his last name a little bit too long for our typical taste. You know? uh, yeah, that's yeah. why we, that's why we just do him like LeBron. Just give him just even though he got a simple name, LeBron James. But Giannis, that's all we need you to be known as. Yeah, Giannis. We don't we don't need to dibble off into all them syllables and, and consonants <laughs> there in that last name. And Westbrook was seventeen. Seventeen. Okay, so Westbrook won a seventeen. He can put up a triple double every year since, and we ain't we didn't care. So Jokic, the numbers are great. The narrative is in his favor, especially now that Jamal Murray's hurt. But if they don't go up in the standings, I don't I don't know how you justify that over what Joel Embiid is doing. When Joel Embiid, like I've said it on this podcast before, but he's literally putting up like prime Shaq numbers when he's on the court. Absolutely. He he's putting up. Like, literally, like, Shaq, you know, late 90s, early 2000s types of numbers. And he's also putting up, I think, like, 28 points in 30 minutes, something like that right now. So we back to that again. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's the efficiency piece. Um, and I just yeah. – we see a different – we see a different Joel this year than we have in previous years. So I think – I think unlike Jokic – who will also have the numbers and narrative, Joel will have the standings on his side. Because for Philly, this the narrative for him is we got ridden off, you know, with the process. Brett Brown wasn't the coach for us. They didn't know if Ben and Joel could coexist. They bring in Daryl Morey. They bring in Doc. The ship is righted. Joel is playing the best he's ever played in his career. Give him the MVP award. Ooh. 
Boom. There it is. Narrative. Sounds so simple. Sounds so simple. But guess what? The NBA is going to make it complicated. And we're going we gonna to really have to have this conversation the rest of the way. Because they're going to say the amount of games that Joel Embiid plays is, yeah. is going to affect it. But I think somebody has won. Has anybody won an award that played a mile? I might might have seventy percent of this is played just about seventy percent of their games. I mean, so like in a typical year, you would probably need to play anywhere between like sixty and sixty five games at a minimum to win MVP. Um, this one I would probably say somewhere between like fifty and fifty five, which is probably gonna be right at about where MB so is at. About eighty, eighty percent. Yeah, like of your seventy games. to eighty percent. I would say about eighty because it would it would really be hurtful. If he played fifty out of, and I'm using eighty-two as a number, not seventy-two. Right. So, if we're using that logic, I'm thinking you have to play about eighty percent of your games to win the award. So right. seventy-two in this case, you looking in seventy-two games, you're looking at about fifty. Yeah, which he he'll be right around that number. So fifty-four, I, something like I that. I think somewhere in that range, if he's able to do it, I think you got to give him the MVP. That's just my personal thing. I wouldn't, granted, I wouldn't be mad if Jokic got it because again, he's been balling. I, I'm not going to take and that doing away from it consistently. You know, what every I mean? single night. And as a matter of fact, on the opposite side of this argument, I don't think he's missed a game at all. Nope. So and I remember having that argument. I'm like, why are we having this argument? Like, there's nothing to argue about. Jokic is. Right now, he's been the most consistent player in the NBA right now. Yeah, so I I just – I go back to the NBA as a whole also having to have a little bit of a reckoning with the awards thing. And Are you trying to give the award truly to the most valuable player or are you giving it to the most outstanding player? Because there's a difference. Or popular player. Yeah, like if you're giving it just to who had the singular best season, that's a little bit – of a different definition of who's the most valuable. Because, I mean, technically, it, again, if you want to kind of go against Joel Embiid, the argument against him is that, okay, when he went out, Philly didn't really miss a beat. Like, they were, they lost a few games they probably should have won, but they didn't just go on a terrible skid, like kind of how the Lakers have gone without LeBron and AD. See, that that's the difference. Right. You're missing two stars there instead of one. So, I, I get it, but my, if I had an MVP vote, it would go to Embiid right now. Yeah, my I, I had to disagree a bit because I'm looking at the whole package of what Jokic brings to the table, and it's just right now that's kind of hard to go against it. But I will agree with where you're coming from on why you believe Embiid is the guy, yeah. especially when a man is averaging thirty in thirty minutes. Yeah, there's <laughs> it's no way around that. It's, that's how hell. That's how Giannis won the award. You know yeah. what I mean? When he was averaging twenty nine and a half Look, and thirty and, minutes of play. And let's let's not get ahead of ourselves because there might be some people in the media that decide to vote for Giannis again. He's missed a couple games here recently, but his numbers don't look any different. If he wins back to back to back awards, it's going to be a problem. And so, um, gosh, I think this was Bomani Jones' podcast I was listening to a couple weeks back, where. He he brought up the numbers where, like, there's no three-time MVP that did not win a championship over the three years that they won three straight MVPs. Larry Bird and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar are the two that kind of come to – are the only two, I think, that have done it or the two that come to mind that have done it. 
but each of them won a championship at some point over the course of the, uh, the three years that they won the award. So Kareem has won it in years that they won the title, and Kareem has won it without. Yeah, uh, I think Bird when he did his magic, no pun intended. Which I know when we did our we did our mailbag episode, we had a couple history lessons, little homework assignments that I gave to our viewers and our listeners. I I understand us as black people. We you know white boy playing basketball. We ain't really got no respect for that. Wait, what? Most of the time when you go play, it, it, for those of y'all who have ever played pickup basketball, most of the time the one white guy who is out there is referred to as white boy or white dude. You don't got no name. You don't, you don't get that type of respect. <laughs> I just, I need y'all to go back and watch some Larry Bird film. Just and stop disrespecting Larry Bird. Just, just look, because Larry, I, I get it. A lot of people. My age and younger and like that, you know, that didn't get to see Larry actually in his prime, probably just believe he's one of the greatest three-point shooters and that's it. Please. Just. And that wasn't an era where there wasn't much of it. Yeah, I think, you know, even Larry's best years as a three-point shooter, I don't even think he was making 100 three-pointers in a season. No. So that lets you know how drastic of a difference it is now versus then. But that also should let you know how much of a bad boy Larry really was because he was out here leading the league and scoring. It was only doing it, taking a couple three pointers a game. Yeah, he's always up there, man. And his his numbers speak for itself. You know, uh, <laughs> you try to discredit Larry, but you can't. You yeah. Know? You want to discredit somebody? Discredit Bill Walton. Yeah, like, you know, when you get into that, that type of, like, you know, great and MVP here, talk. Uh, yeah, you can lose me a Bill Walton. But Larry Bird... Please go do yourself that that favor and just kind of you know whatever YouTube allows you to find. Please go, go <laughs> and do that because Larry Larry was a bad boy. But enough about Celtics and their their greats. We don't we don't typically do too much of that <laughs> on, on the price check. But um, yeah, the East is a three horse race, so we'll we'll focus our time here on the West. I'll start with the Nuggets since we were talking about Jokic. Yeah, Jamal Murray just got hurt towards ACL out for the season. Probably gonna end up being out most of next year too based on the timeline that you usually get for ACLs, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if they're going to go back to 82. Right. Put a fork in the Nuggets. They're done. A again, as much as I love how Jokic is playing, put a fork in them. They're done. Yep. Um, they're fourth in the West right now. They might drop as low as six, maybe more realistically just flip-flopping spots with the Lakers once they get their stars back. Um, Portland's capable of making a little bit of a run, too, but Portland can't defend nobody, so – We'll get to them in a second. But the Nuggets, again, would have loved to be able to see them, you know, make a, a playoff run like they did last year in the two, you know, 3-1 comebacks. But no Jamal Murray. You can just go ahead and, and write it off. See y'all next year. Absolutely, man. Oh, yeah. I, I, uh, I love my boy Michael Porter Jr. So I love messing with he, him. He has been balling this year. I got to yes. give got to give MPJ his credit. He's he been hooping. Exactly. And, you know, the acquisition of Aaron Gordon – it's been a good it's, trade for them. It's been a lot for him too. So, um, who Aaron Gordon has actually played better from the, like numbers wise when Jamal Murray is off the court. I just I don't think that's going to sustain the rest of the season and the playoffs. You think it's just a rental? I think I think Aaron Gordon is a good piece for them to have for the next couple years. Do they? I mean, they got the money to be able to keep him. Um, 
just kind of how they play with the pieces around Gordon, Murray, and Jokic would be my question. Almost like you need to get the money that you're going to be looking for is not what you're going to get. It's going to be considered proven money. Yeah. You got to prove to me that this is what you're worth. Now, around the trade deadline, I would have thought that they would be a team that would have been in like the mix for like a Kyle Lowry. Mm. Because having somebody like that takes a little bit of that offensive pressure off of Murray. Um, it just also gives you another, you know, essentially another 3 and D guy that you can go and put in your backcourt. Because, mm-hmm. again, outside of Murray, Porter, Jokic, and I guess now to a little bit lesser extent Gordon, they just really don't have the guys that are going to be consistent enough for you to really contend, especially out in the West with the teams that are out there. So, love the Nuggets. Uh, you know, again, Jokic has been been going crazy. Even if I don't want to give him the MVP, I got to put some respect on his name and say that he's been balling this year. It's, I don't think they're going to be high enough in the standards for him to really have a fair shake at the MVP, unless the, unless the the media narrative is that they just want to give it to him because he's played so well. <laughs> we've seen that happen, but I, that might be the way that he gets it. I don't – again, I don't necessarily agree, but I don't have a vote either. So it is what it is. Um, the Blazers, since we mentioned them, I'll hit on them real quick too out of this, you know, six teams that we're starting with. Um, the Blazers are tricky because I believe that Dame time is always, always on the clock. <laughs> but they again, they can't guard a graveyard. That's been their biggest mo, and I think the thing is they're gonna have to do is they're gonna have to make a change at the coaching position. So I thought about that, right? How long Terry Stotts been? A while, bro. In Portland. We can see real quick. Yeah, cause I'm like, cause every, like everywhere I look up, man, and I'm like, he's still coaching. So they're. I guess there is something to be said in a sense, right? Like, for some teams, it means more to just be in the mix every year than it does to actually be a championship contender. This is his ninth season, by the way. Really? It seems like it's been like 12. (laughs) I I think that's the case for Rick Carlisle. Yeah, Rick Carlisle has been in Dallas now for a while. Yeah, Um, But – yeah, for the Blazers, it just it seemed like it's the same old team. Because they, they, the, don't, they can't change anything. Whether they're the three seed, whether they're the six seed, whether they're the eight seed, whether two, like it doesn't matter. I, I feel the same way about them every year, it seems like. I think um, it was early on this year. I think they played the game against the Knicks. And I watched Portland play, and they was allowing the Knicks tons of points. I'm yeah. like, why? And, that, and we're talking about a Knicks team that – while they've been pretty consistent offensively, they're not a team that scores a ton of points night in and night out. Um, but, again, when you play the Blazers, you you get a little bit more love on the offensive end than you typically used to. Phoenix so, is the same, too. Well, so Phoenix, I feel like they play to their competition a little bit, which is going to be a problem for them come to playoffs, which we'll, we'll kind of we'll touch on them in a second. But okay. the Blazers, uh, I really don't like their chances if they got to see the Clippers in round one. As much as – Y'all know I am here for all of the Clippers <laughs> jokes and slander. Y'all know this. We, we've been through it. The Clippers not losing to the Blazers. Who Who's talking themselves into the, the Blazers winning that series? Again, I love Damian Lillard. I love the whole swag of Dame waving by the Paul George, all the track. I love it all. They're not winning that series. They're not beating the Clippers in seven games. No. All I'm going to say, bro, is you never know because 
the so the Nuggets did it, but I think the Nuggets had a couple distinct advantages. One, that nobody could guard Jokic for the Clippers, and the pick and roll with him and Murray was just to the point where they were they weren't scared of anything that the the Clippers were throwing at them defensively. And I also think that the Clippers were just in a rush to get out the bubble. They didn't like each other. Everything that came out after that was basically we had Paul George talking to us and he's supposed to be this leader that we don't believe in. Montrez Harrell in here yelling at people but getting killed on defense. Lou Will just want his lemon pepper wings. It was all it was all a mess. Yeah. They, they everybody was in a rush to get out of the bubble. Hey, you haven't heard nothing since then either. Right. Now, I think if you're like so if you're the Blazers, the way that you beat the Clippers is you just get four games where Dame can't be stopped. That's really what it comes down to. Now, not saying Dame can't do that. It's just it's really hard to rely on one player to be your end all be all for a seven game series. Which is very true. But also, you got to remember, C.J. McCollum ain't no slouch either. He's not. But defensively, which is so funny that his brother tried to jump in and tried to defend him and Mm. did it so horrendously. (laughs) Yeah. You tried to say that this dude's defensive purr was was high. Man, that means it's bad. Yeah, like the PER meaning like you're giving up. A lot more. efficient. Points for the other team versus exactly yeah so I I just think they they are gonna run into a situation in that first round where they can't guard Kawhi they can't guard Paul George it you know is what it is Blazers same thing with Nuggets get y'all out of here <laughs> um Lakers and Clippers I'm gonna kind of talk about in conjunction okay because I think the thing with they have a similar quality right now is they just need to get to the playoffs healthy. I think for the Clippers, there's a little bit of that chip on the shoulder, obviously trying to prove teams wrong from last year and blowing a 3-1 lead. Okay, cool. Um, Kawhi has been missing some games recently with, you know, quote-unquote foot injury. We don't know if that's a real injury. We don't know if that's low management, whatever. I would err on the side of caution and think that that's probably a little bit more real than we would think. And if it's a foot, that's not something that I'm excited about going into the playoffs with, having to play on it every other day, basically, for, for four rounds, if you're going to go that far. Might want to watch that. Um, <laughs> we've also seen Paul George's playoff movies before. Not that great. Not winning an Oscar for any of those movies. Huh? You're lucky enough that you ain't you ain't a flop yet. You I mean, know what I mean? Judging by the side and backboards uh he was in last year, real floppish to me. Yeah, it was floppish. Yeah, so let's be real. Um I think but I think the Clippers are still, at least in the first couple rounds, gonna present enough matchup problems to the teams that they're gonna see that they can get through. You think a Lou team could do better than a Rivers team? Better than the Rivers team in the sense of when he coached the Clippers. When Rivers coached coached the Clippers and they didn't go where they were expecting, you think this Lou team that he has currently can go farther than Rivers' team last year? The quick answer is no because, I mean, nobody has gotten the Clippers out of the second round. They they never made the conference finals. So I I think it all depends on how the matchups break for them this year. Right now, they're the three seed. They will play the Blazers in the first round. Again, I think that's like, you know, 4-1, maybe 4-2 series. Kind of how they did Dallas last year. Dame would put a skirt into him like Luka did, and then, you know, they'd get their act right. 
Second round against a team like the Suns is where it gets to be a little iffy. It get fun, then. It get real fun. You got the Chris Paul revenge factor, even though Doc ain't there no more. You still got the Clippers that he's going against. Um, the Clippers also have been terrible at guarding point guards all year, so you got that on your side. Um, and Devin Booker, for whatever reason, just loves giving the Clippers buckets. Ever since the bubble last year, he's been just dropping bucket after bucket against Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, whoever wants to guard him. He's an equal opportunist. He don't care. Come on over here. You can get some buckets yeah, too. You want a bucket? You want everybody gets a bucket. I'm giving. Look, I'm giving y'all the buckets today. No prejudice. No bias. I'm not excluding anybody. Everybody can get something. <laughs> so, um, I think a matchup like that is where things get dicey for the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Um, do I think they can win the series? Yes. Would I pick Phoenix probably to win that series if we get it? Probably it. I just I think right now the way Phoenix is playing, they just they know the type of team that they are. They know their identity. They know how they want to play. And very few times so far this season have they let teams get them out of that. Um, now, it, and we'll kind of get into Phoenix in a second. There's a couple like matchup issues that I see for them against like the Lakers or the Jazz, maybe, or even the Nuggets, for instance. Uh, but the Clippers don't have bigs, so it's not really it's not really the same type of issue. The way you beat the Suns to me is by taking advantage of DeAndre Ayton. But the Clippers don't have anybody that's going to do Man, that. can he stay on the floor? Hey, look, so I, I'm not going to put my boy's name out here. I'm, I'm going to keep his name off wax. But I have a friend, very close friend, that is a Phoenix Suns fan. And I have been basically – Do I know the same fan? I don't, I don't know if, you, if you've got a chance to meet this, this okay. brother yet. But long story short, we've been kind of going back and forth the past two to three years about whether or not the Suns should have taken Luka – instead of DeAndre Ayton. He swears up and down, even though at the time that they had the pick, the coach that they had was Luka's coach overseas. Let's let's not diminish that fact. He stands by the fact that DeAndre Ayton was the right choice because at the time, Devin Booker did not need to be in an offense with another ball-dominant player. Okay, cool. Devin Booker is having a career year right now playing next to ball-dominant Chris Paul. Okay. All right. All right. Now, what I'm going to say to that is that ball-dominant Chris Paul is not a score first person. Right. But Luka is also going to need somebody else that can score with him, hence Porzingis in Dallas. Granted. That's Devin Booker is going to score more than Porzingis, so you take pressure off of both of them by allowing them to play together, and you also don't have to spend $40 million on Luka right now like you are Chris Paul. But you're going to have to spend on Luka. Right, but you also got got more of a a window to do that, whereas DeAndre Aiden might be the reason you lose in the first and second round. Which is also true, but and this is the biggest thing that will kill my argument, is that you need a big man, but you can't be on – if you ain't on the floor, if you get five fouls after three quarters a lot, what's the point of having you there? So so you need a big man, right? Outside of Shaq, Tim Duncan, and, and those guys as far as like the last 20, 25 years, what big man have you built your team around that's gotten you a ring? 
Well, these days, everybody focusing on the guard play because of shooters. Right. So, you mean to tell like, okay, so, like, the Clippers would have maybe two defenders to throw at them, but what team is going to be able to say, okay, I got two lockdown defenders ready for Luka and, and Devin Book? Not many. You take your chances with that, and, hell, you just saw the Lakers last year, they two-star, or the, not two-starting centers, but the centers that they were throwing out there at teams with Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, and they want to ring. You get Luka, man, you – you don't get Chris Paul, but you also you're not gonna you ain't gonna have Chris Paul very long. He's 36, which is true. But you want to find ways to win now. You know what I mean? So, but if Luca Luca being as good as he is, you can find a way to win now if you had him and Devin. If that's the case, put him on the Bulls. Then I want to see what him and Levine could have done. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, I mean, right. come on. You know, if, yeah. if, if your argument is saying what I think it is, then put them two together and want to see how they can they can cook. Because I've never seen that in Chicago. I'm just saying that if you look in recent years and you look at the fact that they actually had the pick right there, they had the pick. All they had to do was take Luke and not DeAndre. That's it. Right now, they feel like. DeAndre Aiden could potentially be the liability that cost them a chance at the championship where right now if Luka had a better team and maybe a better second star with him, he could be in position or putting a team in position to be a championship contender. I believe. Granted, you're probably not playing as well a defense as you are, you know, with those two as you are now, but at the same time, you can figure that out. I'm always a fan of you get the best player and you figure it out from there. Most teams who have won championships have done that. You look at the Bulls from 84 to 98. They got Mike first. They figured the rest out. Lakers, you <laughs> sign Shaq. You find a way to trade for Kobe. You figure it out. Cleveland tried to figure it out. LeBron James, they just moved the wrong pieces. And then, of course, LeBron started to figure it out himself everywhere hey, else from there. <laughs> honestly, that was the same thing can be said about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar back in the 70s and in 80s. Get Kareem, find ways to make it work. Yeah, you you figure it out from there. But I just I don't think that you can you can definitively say that taking DeAndre Aiden over Luca was the right move just because it fits better right now. That like you don't you don't build a team solely for the pieces to fit good. You want the best possible outcome, which I think the maximum ceiling on DeAndre or on DeAndre Aiden and Devin Booker is definitely lower than what it would have been if you had Luka and, and Devin Booker. But, hmm. again, that's just my thinking. I'm not an NBA GM. I just try to act like one, baby. <laughs> I think we all do, man, because yeah. we, we want to, you know, we a lot of us got 2K or they play fantasy or whatnot, and so you want to fig- figure out what's going to take it to win. Yeah. And so I, I know I ended up going into into Phoenix when I said I was going to hold off and, and talk about both L.A. teams, but – that Clippers thing kind of bled over into that. But um, for those of y'all just joining us on the audio, this is the Price Check Podcast here on the In The Zone Network, a deep dive in the Western Conference right now, just kind of looking ahead to some potential playoff matchups with, you know, the contenders up top. Clippers, it, it really, like, if Kawhi is really injured the way that, or I guess a little bit more severely than what we think, they're done anyway. But, I think depending on how the matchups break, they could get to the conference finals this year. They could. All's well, you know, until you get to that moment. So, again, it just depends on how, you know, lights get bright. They start to shrink a little bit. We might be, you know, telling the same jokes that we told last year. They might not be blowing the 3-1 lead. They might end up being down 3-1 or something like that. But, you know, I think the matchups will be the dictator for them. Um, 
Lakers, we know what it is. If LeBron and AD are 100% healthy, cancel Christmas. <laughs> we don't need to talk about much there. So um, I remember saying it last year. I was like, man, these two back, they're going to win it again next year. No matter now, who out there. Where I will say that as a Laker fan, I am concerned. If this was just a calf injury, I don't think AD would have been out this long. That, again, just my thought. I don't think AD would have been out this long if, you know, it was just a calf strain or whatever it is. Now, granted, you can say that they're being careful because they want to make sure that he's back 100% before they put him on the court. Okay, cool. I get that. Um but that that would make me a little nervous going into the rest of the year, especially seeing as how, like right now, with them being fifth in the West, you not only need Anthony Davis, you need him to come back immediately and be the Anthony Davis that he was all last season and before he got hurt. Yeah. Um, LeBron is going to be LeBron, though. I'm not, I'm not worried about that one. It's 36. It's 36. And before he got hurt, he was playing like he was twenty six. Yeah, he was he was playing at an MVP caliber level. But what it does show you at this very moment, Father Time don't play fair. Nah, Father Time taking out ankles, he tripping folks, uh, you know, on the court. So every as much as everybody want to sit here and be like LeBron is going to continue playing, you know, probably into his to 40. I mean, we don't know, but at the same time, how it was looking, it seemed like that was going to happen. As soon as that injury hit, that brings it right back down again. And no matter how much he goes from bigger, faster, stronger, he's going to break down a whole lot faster. Yeah. But now, I I guess in LeBron's defense, the play that he got injured on, anybody could have, that could have happened to anybody. Hell, it technically just happened to Donovan Mitchell, what, yesterday, the day before? Same type of thing. His his injury might not be as significant as LeBron's, but um, I think once you get both of those two two guys back healthy, especially now having allowed Schroeder, Andre Drummond, Kyle Kuzma, those guys to to play a little bit and build their confidence without you, might be on to something. But you also can't discount the fact that you're not going to have home court advantage throughout the playoffs now. The bubble was different. Everybody was in the bubble. Nobody had home court advantage. Now you gotta, you know, you gotta go on a road to start, you know, every series or at least every series beyond the first round, potentially, if you can make it up to four. You know, it's not an easy road. You can't just definitively say, Okay, it's a championship regardless of who we have to play or, or what teams we have to go through. You still gotta you gotta put your best foot forward. But I, I like the Lakers' chances, especially, you know, given the fact they got a better road record this year than they have home record. Absolutely, man. So, um, Jazz, we talked about this a little bit before the show started. The Lakers actually just beat the Jazz today by 12 points in overtime, for, for those of y'all listening. Um, the Jazz are the same team to me. I think Donovan Mitchell is going to get his points. He's going to get his, you know, his highlights off. But at the end of the day, they're not going to have enough guys scoring with him in a seven-game series to truly be dangerous. They'll probably beat whoever they see in the first round in that 1-8 matchup. 
Um, but right now they would be playing the winner of a Denver LA first round series, and, and LA meaning Lakers, not Clippers. That's not a good matchup for them either way. They lost to Denver last year in the playoffs, and a healthy LeBron and healthy AD again are going to be the two best players on the court. So what are you what are you going to do in that situation when you don't have the best guy on the court and you also don't have a second go to score that can be that on a nightly basis. That's sad that you already considered a week number one. Yeah. You, like, if I'm, so for instance, if I'm like the Mavericks at the bottom of the West, wouldn't be mad if I dropped to eighth and had to see the ass. Why? If I got Luka, I got the best player on the court. Okay. At least that's how I feel. Now the Jazz probably would still beat them in over the course of a seven-game series, but it's not going to be easy for the Jazz. Just I don't think any series in the playoffs will be easy for them because you don't. Again, I don't think they have the scoring punch that a true contender. And let's have. indicate easy, because you can go, you can win four games in a row, but how did you win them? Right. Did you win them by blowout fashion, or was each of them close? Yeah. Like, did you just you know barely escape? Then you know that's not a real dominant sweep, right? right. Like that's. I just I see the same same jazz team. That being said, I don't want to discredit anything they're doing this regular season. They've been able to dodge, you know, the injury bug, dodge the COVID bug, and and definitely have put on a show and, and you know the streaks that they've been able to go on, how well they've played just as a whole, um, both offensively and defensively. I just again I think that team ball only works for certain teams when you get to the playoffs. The Spurs in like that. 2011 to 2015 range was kind of that team. Uh, and even them, they only won, what, one ring, two finals appearances for it? Yep. So, again, I, all you got. As the great philosopher Jay-Z once said, we don't believe you, you need more people. That's exactly how I feel about the Utah Jets. <laughs> exactly how I feel about it. Mm-mm. Phoenix. I don't even know how to take that. Phoenix is a little different story. I'll give Phoenix the benefit of the doubt. Everything that I've seen out of them so far this year, like, they play up to par when they have to play other good teams. Um, They just beat Utah, I think it was like a week ago. Uh, Pretty close game last week against the Clippers, even though it was a loss. Um, Took care of business against the Lakers after, you know, LeBron and AD were out. They beat all the the good teams, but they also take care of business against the teams that they're supposed to beat. That are you know the lesser, lower seeded teams in the league. Yeah. Um, again, DeAndre Aiden is the X factor though, because he can be taken advantage of on the defensive end. Um, and if he's not producing the way that he has produced most of this season on offense in the playoffs, then I think it gets dicey for them. And you also one Chris Paul injury away from all of this just kind of kind of blowing up a little bit. So um, if they can keep him healthy, though, I think this is a slightly slightly dangerous team in a sense that they'll have that veteran leadership to go along with you know Devin Booker and his you know just rampage he's been on from a scoring perspective. Um, you know, their role players have actually stepped up and played real well, kind of how did they how they did in the bubble last year. So I think Phoenix is a solid team. Um matchups are gonna be, you know, a question for them kind of the way that they are for the Clippers, right? Like you gotta see Dallas in the first round. 
you know, the Mavericks aren't necessarily a lock to win that series, but Luka can make things dangerous for you. Um, you know, Clippers in the second round, maybe, you know, Nuggets, somebody like that. It gets a little dicey, but again, I think they got they got the the infrastructure and the build in, in terms of how they've put their team together to be able to make it happen come playoff time. It again, it's like the Lakers kind of present matchup problems to them because of the Anthony Davis factor. If they had to see the Nuggets because of Jokic, that would be a little bit of an issue for them. But there's there's not. Outside of the Lakers and Nuggets, there's not too many teams where I question, okay, do they have the ability to match up with this team? Exactly. So, um, if I had to if I had to pick a non-Laker team that I believed in the most in the West, it probably would be Phoenix. I was, gonna buy, I was about to ask you who your dark horse in the West was. If, it, if I was choosing a non-Lakers team as a contender, it would be Phoenix. Just based on what I've watched. Like, mm-hmm. I think beginning to end the games, they know exactly where to be, what to do, how to go about it. Uh, Monty Williams is coaching his ass off this year. I, in Phoenix. I really think he's like, it's going to be between him and Quinn Snyder for coach of the year. I I would lean and Doc Rivers. Oh, I just thought about that. Yeah. And Nash mm. in Brooklyn. So I think I think Steve Nash case isn't going to be as strong because people are just going to chalk it up to them having KD, Kyrie, and yeah, and Harden. Even though they've had at least one of those guys injured or not there most of the year. I'm going to say it's going to be like Steve Nash winning the MVP. You wasn't supposed to get it, bro. Yeah, that, uh, that's how I'm feeling. That, that That's how it might go depending on yeah. what Brooklyn does. If Brooklyn gets the top spot, oh, Nash is winning. And it's going to suck. It really is. It's going to suck. It's going to suck for Quinn Snyder, and it's going to suck for Monty Williams. Because Monty Williams, mind you, was in the bubble the best coach out of them. Yeah. So, so undefeated. Like, so, if right now the Jazz had the best record in the league, if they finish with the best record, it's probably going to be Quinn Snyder's award. Yeah. I think Monty Williams definitely has a case. Steve, I like Steve Nash. I think he's done a hell of a job this year. I was, surprisingly enough, I was on his side when he got hired, saying that we could end up having maybe a Steve Kerr type of situation where he actually gets hired, comes in, knows what he's doing, and nobody ever thought of it, right? But I think... That situation is just a lot more about the players he has than the actual coaching he's doing to me. But, yeah. that Better speak on it. <sighs> yeah, I'm, I'm preparing myself now <laughs> for, for that to go ahead and come across that ESPN ticket. That like, fallout. Yeah. Steve Nash wins NBA Coach of the Year, which out of the four guys that we named him, Doc Rivers, Quinn Snyder, Monty Williams, he is technically the least deserving of it. We said, we said that about Nash when he won MVP, MVP twice. Yeah, don't don't get me started on. All right then. Don't don't look. Leave the MVPs out of it. I'm trying to think of Steve Nash in a different light. <laughs> this and, is the same Steve Nash, brother. It's just look, it's just that now he's sitting on an NBA bench instead of playing on an NBA court. That's the difference. Don't don't start giving him coach of the years like they gave him. MVP. <laughs> I'm 
I'm going to step back. You thought I'm I would like, never bring that up. Hey, I'm going to step back. I got, I, don't, I got it on this one. I don't, I don't want to go into a dark place like that. I'm... <laughs> Keeping keeping positive vibes here on the price check. That's what we're gonna do. We not, you want to talk keep... about the ladies then? So I do need to give a quick shout out. Yeah. Two shout outs actually. Um one, Charlie Collier, first pick, WNBA draft. Shout out to her for securing a bag. We can go ahead and drop her a nice little chime right there. Also, Tara Vanderveer, I think Stanford head coach. Um, wanna make sure I got her name right. 29 years mm-hmm. since she won her last national championship before mm-hmm. getting this one. That's a hell of a way to stay in the game, dog. Yep. That's a hell of a way to stay in the game. Like, tw- 29 years. Yes. I was not born when she won her last title. <laughs> <laughs> that speaks volumes, brother. I was not born when she won her first title. That is, and that she now volumes, she has man. now has number two. And the crazy thing is, not like she's just been coaching a trash team the last twenty nine years. Like they've been in the hunt all the time, all the time. You just got to get past UConn, yeah, remember Tennessee, got, then South Carolina. Yeah, she, she really she ran into the worst possible period in terms of her teams versus everybody else in women's college basketball because you had UConn. Come and become a powerhouse. You had Pat Summit's Tennessee Volunteers. Already was that. Was already at, you know, basically the top of the weight class. You had Baylor in there some years. Don Staley then had South Carolina in the mix now for the last few years. It, that's, man. But shout out. Shout out to Tara, Tara Vanderveer for, for sticking it out, baby. Oh, yeah. Most people don't look. Most people don't stay on the job 29 years in between wins. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. I mean, uh, what was that? Notre Dame with with uh, Miss Muffet McGraw. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, it took her a minute to get her. It was her second one. It took her almost 20 years to get that. Man, that's that's some persistence, though. That's exactly, man. Big, because big it's who you got to run in. Like when you seeing a lot of WNBA players, and they coming out of Geno's bag. They coming out of there. Yeah, coming out of stores. Yeah, that that factory of a, of a college <laughs> basketball program, and, and and he got another one. Pa- yeah, Paige Buckers. Like, come on, how does how does how does Gino keep doing it? He That's knows, what I want to know. He knows how to recruit, man. If I if there are there are three basketball related interviews that I want to do in my life, Gino REM is one of them. Because the one question, or I guess kind of one question and a follow up question. How have you just found a way to do this in the women's game? And one, why have you been more attracted to the women's game than going and coaching men? And I, I, and I mean to ask that not necessarily from like a condescending way. Yeah, from a condescending way. Like I really want to know why he's been so passionate about the women's game because most most guys in his position would have probably tried to take their chance at going and and coaching men, whether that be, you know, from a college level or at the professional level. Shout out to Tony Conjure here in St. Louis. Yes. Big shout out to Tony. He is a big advocate for the women's game. Yeah. And seeing what he was able to do this year, got Cardinal Ritter a state championship uh, for the girls. No, they didn't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was the boys. The girls, they had a fantastic run. I think they got to the final four, as a matter of fact. So I apologize for that. 
but the fact that he knows how to coach them. Yeah. And then he was a champion with the St. Louis Surge, you know, so um, he got that winning mentality. But, yeah, Gino, like, I, I would love to know what kind of keeps him passionate about yeah. growing a women's game as opposed to, you know, seeing what, what he can do, in, you know, on the other side of it. But, um, yeah, that, nice way to bring that bring that back to some, some, some yeah. positive vibes. I appreciate it. <laughs> I was like, we well, was, let, let, let's talk about this. We them, was going to relive 2006 all over again. And I was, <laughs> was going to have some curse words towards the Phoenix Suns and Steve Young. But, um, hey, I will say this, man. Seeing Aaron McDonald – you know, playing uh, and you know with the Atlanta Dream being selected third overall, and I know her coach, uh, Adia Barnes, was excited. Oh yeah. Hey, didn't really did it really didn't hit me that Barnes was you know another black coach in the uh, national title game. Man, I was rooting for Arizona. Yeah. To get past Stanford, man. You know, uh, you know UConn was out and Baylor was out, and you know Baylor had two of my favorites to check out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey. Hey, so so real quick, before yes. we before we gloss over college basketball, two things I have to mention. Okay. One, NCAA should be ashamed of themselves. Of the fucking uh situation with the women's tournament in comparison to the men's tournament Absolutely. in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Come on, bro. And that was in and it was in Texas. You in the state of Texas, that means you had uh, a plethora of money where you could have used to give better facilities to these Regardless, women. Even if they did that shit in Rhode Island, <laughs> they make enough money off the women's tournament to put a little bit more money, a lot more money back into the game. Yes. Also, don't think this is a hot take. Women's tournament was better than the men's. Damn right. Just saying. It really was. The men's tournament gave us absolutely nothing until Jalen Suggs hit that shot against UCLA. And then Baylor knocked off Gonzaga. Yeah. So but much for your You had season. upset City a lot in the women's tournament. Yeah. Stuff that you didn't never thought was going to well, happen. Well, so I my theory is that you saw more upsets this year in both the women's and the men's tournament because of just the amount of uncertainty around COVID to where Certain top programs, a lot of those players, you know, opt out or whatever. I ain't gonna talk bad. I ain't gonna talk bad about Duke. I'm not gonna talk bad about my boys from North Carolina. Shout hey, out look, to Roy Williams, man. Hey, look, man. I think North Carolina and Duke ran into the same thing where it's just like, look, we looking past this year. Yo, and and, and you know what? I'm happy for that. I because I really did not want to see. Uh, a big major school playing in that national championship yeah. game. Shout out to shout out to Baylor for, yeah. for pulling it off. Good because um, Gonzaga it got to shut up Drew Timmy. <laughs> right, I, I hated him. Hey, I will say though, Jalen Suggs made a believer out of me. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely solidified, you know, top three, top four pick in the draft. Um, speaking of picks in the NBA draft. Go on down to the bottom of the Western Conference. <laughs> Go right on down to the bottom of the Western Conference because um, I won't spend a whole lot of time on you know on the teams that's you know basically losing and not really playing well. Uh, but we do got two interesting things that we need to keep our eye on when it comes to the bottom of the Western Conference standings. Um, people at home, let's not forget that the Minnesota Timberwolves are one of the worst teams in the league, but. 
if their pick falls to number four or higher, it goes to the Warriors. So anything four or above, it's not the Timberwolves pick no more. Golden State is now rooting for them to keep losing. Well, Golden State not only needs to be rooting for them to keep losing, they probably should just go ahead and keep losing themselves. Because no Wiseman, Steph is having a hell of a season. But even if y'all get into the playoffs, y'all not. Y'all don't got it. Y'all don't got it. It's you. You build up your assets. You figure this all season out. You get Clay back healthy next year, and then you God try to willing, you try man. to make it happen again. God willing, because that that was that was a huge blow. It was, but if if you're Clay Thompson and you're the Warriors, watching how Kevin Durant has come back off of his Achilles injury gives you hope. Yes. Because I think like KD, Clay's not going to need to blow by people. He's not going to need to beat a whole bunch of people off the dribble. None of that. Like he's, you know, Clay, he took what, three or 12 dribbles or something like that to drop 60 points. He don't need, he don't need to do too much. Get them feet set. Now where you're probably going to see it affect Clay is on the defensive end. He might not be the first team all defensive player that he was before. Because he's just not – he probably not going to be able to keep up with guys like that no more. But – Because he is 30 now. Yeah, he, he's slowly getting up there. Him and Steph both, really. Um, but you got you got both of those two, kind of the same conversation we was having earlier. You figured it out from there. Um, they can still do some things as far as the, you know, construction of the roster around those guys. You will have James Wiseman back healthy again next year. Figure it out. But this year, even if you make the playoffs, whether it's the Jazz, the Suns, Whoever they getting y'all out of that, <laughs> right? We don't we don't even need to to put ourselves through that pain. Just go ahead and call it home now. Like, mama coming back for the holidays, you know. Go ahead and get the crib ready. All go home, just go home. <laughs> we don't we don't we don't need to see anything else else beyond this regular season for them. Um, so they're probably rooting for the Timberwolves pick to drop out of the top four or drop out of the top three, I should say. Um, same thing with the Rockets. The Rockets are in a very, very interesting situation because it's like a three-way thing with their pick to where if it's in the top four, they keep it. If it's out of the top four, it goes to OKC. And then the Rockets receive the worst of the three picks between themselves, OKC, and the Miami Heat, which, of course, the Miami Heat are going to be in the playoffs, so... There you have it. You're probably going to have a pick in like the late teens or early 20s. And that's what your reward is going to be for having a lottery season. Hmm. So, so is that an extra pick? No, that would be the pick. The same pick? So it, it's – I forgot which trade it came from, but long story short, if it's if it's in the top four, they'll hold on to it. If it falls out of the top four – it automatically goes to OKC, and then they receive the worst of the two picks remaining between OKC and Miami. Mm. So it's it's really a a pretty alarming situation if you a Houston Rockets fan because you gotta hope that y'all go ahead and just keep losing out, which they're doing a fine job of right now. But things still gotta break your way, and the way the draft lottery been going the past couple years. We are bound to get a surprise. 
Just just throwing it out there. <laughs> it, look at it. What last year the Warriors were the team that jumped up into the top two or something like that. Uh, the year before it was the Lakers <laughs> jumped up from having like the tenth odds to have to having the fourth pick, and then of course using that to trade for Anthony Davis. Um, I would keep my eyes on the Pelicans if they missed the playoffs. Just saying, if y'all ever thought the NBA draft lottery was rigged, no better way to to prove that if the Pelicans are the team that jump up into the top three or four and get to add a you know star like let's say a Jalen Suggs right to Zion. Just getting y'all prepared now, looking ahead, giving y'all something to look forward to. So don't say that I told you so if it happened. And then if it doesn't happen, we'll be the world will be a better place. We'll be all right. No, no, uh, no more superstars for New Orleans to to waste away. And then, you know, you probably have Kay Cunningham going to Houston or Minnesota, somewhere like that. And Chicago need to start getting thinking about that. Well, so here's the problem for Chicago, my friend. They traded their pick this year to Orlando to get Vucevic. Now I need to review the protections on that because depending on how high it goes, y'all could potentially still get it anyway. But um, if it's unprotected, that's a problem. It's a problem because right now y'all <laughs> on the on the outside of the, y'all on the outside of the play in. Y'all not even in that seven to ten mix right now. I don't even want to talk about don't play in, man. The play in is stupid. Just as bad as wins above replacement. No, wins above replacement is the the worst. Okay, play in. I see what they're doing. You you have to incentivize the regular season. As sad as that sounds, you have to give as many teams as possible a fair shake, especially the way that basketball has been the last few years where you have these teams tanking, you have them um, you know, trying to finagle their way into better picks. You got to figure out a way to make it a little bit more worth it for those teams right on the outside of the playoffs to say, okay, let's keep trying versus – yeah, let's go ahead and take this thing out. We're going to go ahead and, you know, get our lottery pick and, and see, you know, next year. You think they'll ever do the 16 best teams in the league to fight against? No. Because it would kind of def- no. fuse the purpose. So, I think unlike maybe like the NFL or Major League Baseball, the conferences matter a little bit more in basketball than in those other leagues. Because, for instance, if you seeded – the NFL playoffs, I guess it's now 1 through 14 since they have seven teams making the playoffs on each side versus six. But if you just said, okay, we're going to take the 14 teams regardless of if it's mostly AFC or mostly NFC, not really losing much in terms of value or rivalries or potential you know, um, finals, matchups, that type of thing, it's all the same thing. Mm-hmm. NBA – it would feel weird seeing like a just throwing a matchup out there, a Lakers Clippers NBA Finals. That that would feel weird to me. Okay, I agree with that. Like I feel like you have to have somebody represent the East, somebody represent the West. Right, same way like in the other leagues, somebody has to represent East West, or somebody has to re- represent National American. Somebody has to represent. Yeah, like you kind of have to AFC, have NFC. that. That division a little bit, yes. Um, because otherwise, like I think you also would start running into some of your playoff series being better than the the championship series that you end up with, which has happened. 
I mean, you get it. You get it on occasion in the NBA, but not not too many times do you look up and be like, damn, the best series of the playoffs happened in the first round <laughs> as opposed to actually happening towards the end. Mm-hmm. So I I think also from a travel perspective, like if you the Heat and the Blazers and y'all in a playoff series, I'm not trying to get on anybody's flight from Miami to Portland. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it feels like a two-day plane ride. You're literally going from one corner of the country to the next. Like, from a travel perspective, that's a little bit more of a disadvantage. Would you be mad if it was the Lakers in Miami? I mean, not necessarily. But at the same time, it's it's the same thing. Like, you, yeah. you just putting a lot more unnecessary travel on your team's in a situation like to do that for a first round playoff series, I think it's unnecessary to do it for the finals. Yeah, because you got your last two teams standing. You got to see who the best is. Right. So, I think keep it as it is. I like the playing idea just because you also get a little bit of bonus basketball. Like who who mad at that? That's true. Now, now what I what I will say this year that we might not get in every other year. I think our playing matchups would be great if they stayed the way that they are now. Maybe with the exception of Maverick Spurs, but that's just more about the Spurs than it is anybody else. But the Heat, well, the Raptors aren't really that good either. I would prefer to probably see your Bulls get to the Heat in that seven ten matchup in the East, but right now that's asking a lot. So, do I need to do I need to bring some vibes? vibes? <laughs> we gonna go ahead and wrap up on that note. So. Uh, <laughs> Like uh, like myself, Arlington needs to uh, get back to some positive vibes now before he starts to think about what uh, what might be going downhill this season. <laughs> the Bulls, man. I already have, man. I blame Rob Perez for it. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Rob. He created the safe space, and now Arlington is uh, is going to go to it. So, yep. for those of y'all listening, those of y'all viewing, thank y'all for tuning in to the Price Check Podcast. I am your host, Josh Price, doing this thing on the In The Zone Network. And until next time, we are checking out.